Welcome back, everybody. This is another episode of It Is What It Is podcast brought to you by your host, Cody Kelly. I'm so excited. Some things are in the works. We have some projects coming through the pipelines and new websites coming out, new app, a few things that work on a few new um, interviews. But I want to cover in this uh, episode with just a few segments. First, we're going to deal with the effects of climate change. Uh, then we're going to cover into global politics, things that are just kind of happening uh, over across the globe. And the third, just kind of this outlook of this scare of a recession uh, that economists uh, are stating that it's on the way. And then I want to tap into the latest Laker drama, the injury of DeMarcus Cousins. <sighs> so sad. We're going to get it all into it on an Is What It Is podcast. Stay tuned. first segment I want to get into is the climate change. Climate change is a real thing. It is not science fiction. It is not allegorical. It is not make-believe. It is ever-present, and you can definitely feel it when it is around Christmas time and it's 90 degrees out and you live in Chicago, and when it is June and you're preparing for the summer or summer is already here and all of a sudden you're looking for your sweater, there is something to say about that. Uh, interesting article came across, according to Canadian Pediatric Society, says climate change could expose children. Now, this is something that I think uh, is very important, uh, especially for those who have younger ones or are looking into developing a family. Uh, it says that this climate change could expose children to more health risk. Uh, these risks are due to climate change could increasingly affect uh, the children's health and is encouraging healthcare providers to press all levels of government for measures that curb climate change. Yes, uh, obviously, due to the effects of the climate, it will affect those that are more susceptible uh, to these adverse conditions. So you're talking about the elderly, you're talking about those um, in poverty-stricken areas, you're talking about children. It also goes to state that in the article that society's new guidance, paper points uh, to emerging health issues for kids include heat sickness, didn't even know heat sickness was a thing. Heat sickness, reduced air quality, and contaminated water sources. I found that interesting. I, I never uh, would have imagined uh, that as time progresses, uh, water pollution uh, would be the issue at hand. Uh, after the Flint um, uh, catastrophe, um, it seems like there's just an ongoing effects of just contaminated water that we have not updated our water filtration systems. We have not focused on the purification and purifying systems uh, that need to be implemented into our water storage systems that we're still really uh, living off a 19th century uh, sanitation system, if you will, and, and, and is really caused harm and is causing harm. And because of this, um, it has created uh, new illnesses. Uh, unfortunately, uh, disease and, and just kind of bacterial uh, infections uh, because of the, to me, lack of interest. I think we went so long with just ignoring it or allowing it to be a thing of science and not understanding that science is life and learning how to uh, bridge the gap. The article goes on and continues to say that natural hazards and extreme weather can raise longer-term mental health effects for kids, especially if families are displaced or lose their homes, if relatives die, or if children's health care 
and schooling is interrupted. Uh, so basically, uh, this adverse effect of this climate change is creating a new phenomenon in the realm of mental health, understanding that weather has a role in how one perceives the world, one feels about themselves, and to their uh, mental capabilities of understanding process um, and reference and exchange. Uh, this is something that we have to address. This is something that cannot be swept under the rug. When it comes to addressing mental health issues, we have to look deeper into all things that affect that because it is something that is true to the human experience. And if weather or inclement weather or climate change in and of itself is adverse to this, is adversarial, this has to become top priority so that we can improve as a society. And we want to do this. This is not negotiable. It's not debatable. It's not an issue of political ideology. It's not an issue of where you stand in the political spectrum. It is an issue of fact. The article continues to say, because of their growing and developing bodies, children are more vulnerable to the than adults to the effects of climate change by Dr. Irina Buka. Uh, my thoughts, uh, I, I think we, as stated prior, we have politicized uh, the inevitability or what is inevitable. We have politicized fact. We have made what you see here, uh, taste and touch, a thing of political preference instead of uh, an issue of human experience. We have tried to pick sides where really there is no side and we have created this innate harm and because we have allowed these issues to go unaddressed or to go without merit to go without true cause and study now we are trying to back channel and now address it and it seems like we're 20 to 50 years behind um, but I believe it is not just the role of the United States but it is a global role uh, that we all have to take it as a humanity role that we have to focus on the need to make this world a more livable planet. And that's kind of my thoughts on this segment. Interesting development out of our friends from the north, that is Canada. Uh, according uh, to the news report, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has been found guilty, found guilty of breaking the Federal Conflict of Interest Act in relation to the SNC Lavillain uh, scandal. Apparently, um, the uh, country was in a bidding project to update the high-speed rail. SNC Lavillain is a company that was one of the bidders and. Prime Minister Trudeau tried to secure the nation's best interest, believing that its strategic partner was this company. And somehow, because of his influence and his position, it was considered an issue of tampering and it was unethical. According to Ethics Commissioner Mario Dion, he found that Trudeau acted improperly by trying to encourage the then Attorney General Jody Wilson, Raybould, to terminate the criminal prosecution of the Montreal engineering firm. Uh, in the report released Wednesday, Dion asserted that evidence showed there were many ways in which Mr. Trudeau, either directly or through the actions of those under his direction, sought to influence the Attorney General. The authority of the Prime Minister and his office was used to circumvent, undermine, and ultimately attempt to discredit the decision of the Director of Public Prosecutions, as well as the authority of Mrs. Wilson-Raybould. 
as the Crown's chief law officer. He maintained that he was trying to protect uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, was trying to protect Canadian jobs and said he was defending Canadians and their interests. Justin Trudeau goes on to say that he recognized that this situation should not have happened. His desire was to protect Canadians and at the same time protect the integrity and the independence of their judicial institutions remained throughout. He recognized his own uh, involvement and that this should not have happened. According to Section 9 of that Act uh, of the Federal Conflict of Interest Act, that's what he is being charged with. Now, this is interesting. I I, I see it twofold. First of all, I'm a fan of uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Um, his kind of leadership and vision for uh, the Canadian province. I, I think what happens here is when you're trying to do the right thing the wrong way or a way that unfortunately others in other countries do it you get into this deep gray area that eventually just becomes ill-tainted so you try to secure a certain project that will uplift the economy that will create jobs that will create revenue but it's not just why it's the how that is the most important thing and the how becomes murky because sometimes there is not a lot of um, inboundsness with certain directions when it comes to obtaining uh, projects. Uh, there's a lot of wiggle room and a lot of influencing that comes from all sides. And I really believe that Prime Minister Trudeau thought he was just doing what everybody else is, you know, does. Um, the the I don't think this is anything he's scandalous or anything he needs to step down for or, or go to trial for. I do believe that it might be unethical that, uh, not it might be, it is unethical to influence uh, this decision by your own power, but at the same time, how do you not? His, his his position is powerful. Anything he winks at, anything he has a frame of reference to, a comment on, creates some type of sway. Um, I think there's levels to this when you, you're trying to interpret his involvement or his staff's involvement, and that could be problematic. But at the end of the day, you have to weight it. And it was not like it was a, I would say, a political move, as it was, I I really believe, a move out of desire or dire strait. Um, Sometimes when you're trying to get a last second uh, touchdown or objective completed, these internal pressures seep in, and I think he became victim to uh, national sentiment. Uh, but I do not believe that Trudeau is uh, evil or that he needs, uh, he's unethical. I, I think he's very human and he had a very human reaction. Uh, report goes on to state that Dion said that Trudeau's uh, contravened Section 9 of the Conflict of Interest Act through multiple flagrant attempts to influence. And this is why I think the, the, the breaking of the law or the breaking of the the act uh, comes into play, the, the multiple and flagrant attempts. So you'd have to really analyze what that word flagrant means, how outlandish or bold really was it in influencing this uh, type of decision. Law goes on to prohibit public office holders from using their position to try and influence a decision that would improperly further the private interest of a third party. So when you have this high-speed rail, the LRT project, and you had three firms going forward, uh, and then you tried to obviously partner with 
uh, SNC Lavalin and this becomes almost an issue of fraud or bribery that is when it becomes hairy and that's when you have to step back and say whose pockets were aligned is this really beneficial to the country or is it more beneficial to you and there's a whole host of questions but I do not believe this is the equivalent to Waters, uh, Watergate I just believe that this is an outlier uh, something that has to be checked uh, something that has to be discussed but something that also uh, ultimately, depending on what is found out. Now, if you go through due process and these flagrant attempts were unethical, then it raises another question. So I, I really think the first step is defining what and how the attempts were made, what attempts were made, how the attempts were made, and how it has impacted all parties. And once that, I think, process of discovery happens, then you're able to have a clear understanding of the situation. Now off to the U.S. slash global economy. Interesting article by Erica Lini. Uh, there's fears of a global economic downturn uh, that rose on Wednesday, uh, the 14th of August, as the two of the world's uh, export juggernauts, China and Germany, reported weak economic data. The news fanned worries about the health of the global economy and escalating trade tensions. On the Chinese side, news reports revealed the country's industrial growth in July growed or, or actually slowed down uh, to its slowest pace since 2002, while the urban jobless rate reached its highest level since consistent record-keeping uh, actually began. Economists say that the figures are a sign that the economic blow from the ongoing trade dispute between the U.S. and Beijing is hitting China harder than the U.S., or the U.S. or even the, uh, the world expected. Uh, Trump has claimed that China will be hurt more by the trade war than the U.S., uh, stated Avery Shinfield, chief economist of CB, CIBC Capital Markets. And while it's negative for both economies, uh, Germany has uh, revealed and has reveled up its gross domestic product uh, to the point that it has shrank. Or they're stating that its GDP has actually shrank by 0.1% during the three months of the trade war uh, between the U.S. and China. This dip has been widely linked to China's own economic cooldown. China is a major market for the Germany uh, or for the German economy. So the slowing we're seeing in China and the slowing we're seeing in or we have witnessed in Germany is part of the same story. The problem is economies are now connected. It doesn't matter if you you know are of the U.S., you are of Germany or of Italy. France business is done on an international level and when one hurts ultimately we all hurt this is why a trade war is asinine it is extremely ignorant to create this level of scrutiny between countries it's one thing to protect national interest it's another thing to uh, piss off everybody it's another thing to engage in something that is ultimately not destructive and really no economic justification for it if you're going to engage in something without having a justification on this magnitude it is what political science would label it as unjust um, so to engage this far into it and to keep increasing tariffs is a bad move and because of this the, the world is on watch and it has started to have its effect the United Kingdom economy also switched into a reverse mode during the same period, while Italy has been dipping in and out of negative growth territory, feeling concerns that Europe is flirting with recession 
usually defined as two consecutive three-month periods of contraction. This is a bad look. Uh, and if that happens in the U.S., uh, will also be impacted. It has already taken a slight plunge with an 800-point loss on the Dow Jones market. This is not a sustainable strategy. Um, obviously, I believe all national leaders need to come to the table and discuss what is in best interest for the global progress of all instead of I win, you don't win. Uh, I believe there's enough room for that. We can all win, but it has to be properly assessed, properly understood. You have to have reasonable thinkers, thought leaders, leaders, period, that are interested in progress and peaceful progress, not progress at any sort or at any cost, but a peaceful working progress. And when that peaceful working progress is implemented, you will not have the drastic fluctuations in the market. You will always have variance. The market will always teeter and totter. There will always be times of extreme of growth and, and lack of growth. That's just the way the world works. But there is a balancing and a leveling off that should always be implemented. Uh, so my thoughts is that we have to end this trade tariff. We have to get back to the table to actually discuss opening up our borders on trade relations. We have to, yes, have a program in place that protects American interests. Very true. But this interest cannot be analogous. It cannot be on an island all by itself. Uh, it cannot be independent of the global vision of really advancing all economies. There has to be a working solution, and we have to work toward that solution and that solution first starts with understanding that this was a mistake. A public apology should follow up and then actual uh, meetings and negotiations should pursue after that. A great article, great opinion editorial in the Cranes magazine covering the unfortunate uh, continuance of just terrible development um, as far as the violence in Chicago. Uh, article goes on to state that instead... Uh, Chicago has reeled with levels of bloodshed that have stricken the city's west and south side for years. In the first weekend of this month alone, the city experienced among its worst weekends of gun violence in 2019, with seven people killed, more than 50 wounded by gunfire, and 32 separate shooting incidents. Uh, this is among the backdrop of what's happening in our nation. And unfortunately... The issue of gun violence and the issue of the solution or the issue surrounding its solution is not as cut and dry as it should be because we don't want it to be. Uh, when you are trying to propose something without making it unconstitutional, the Constitution stating the uh, protection of the Second Amendment, uh, having the right to bear arms, uh, but then it's the issue, well, who has his right? Is this a collective right? What if the person is mentally ill or the person is deemed uh, unfit by societal standards, the person is dangerous? It, it just gets layered and layered and layered. And when you're dealing with something that is created for the intent of harm, how do you manage that? I really believe that Chicago has to take a step and look at what has led to these problems. Uh, institutional correctness is not just creating 
uh, buyback plans or, or um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a holistic approach. Uh, you can sit there and come up with an agenda, but if you do not create effective policy, if you do not create effective investment, if you do not start with grassroots organizations, if you do not create a culture, uh, that is against violence, that you do not uh, appeal to the better angels of all of humanity's nature, then you will have this reoccurring story. Yes, uh, we have to invest in um, schools. We have to invest in jobs. All this will lead to lesser and less violence. We have to invest in uh, uh things that affect the climate positively, not negatively. We have to invest in our food and our water sources. We have to invest in our education. We have to invest in our religious institutions. We have to invest in our after-school programs. We have to invest in our roads. We have to make sure that everybody is doing something. Everybody is a productive citizen. Everybody that can be, uh, that they have to be a productive citizen. We have to make uh, further adjustments uh, into understanding the 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 mental illness side of it, we have to invest in our, our mental health facilities and services. Healthcare has to become a thing, uh, but it's all inclusive. And then you have to make sure that it's basically inaccessible. You should not. It should not be easy to acquire these things, right? Like I think about when I have a car. You know, I have to get my car. My car has to go through emissions tests. Uh, you know, I have to have insurance on the vehicle. I have to have the appropriate plates on the vehicle. Um, I have to take a driver's uh, test every so many years to get my driver's license renewed. Um, you know, my vehicle has to go through inspections. I have to get oil changed. There's so many parameters to just have a something that is built for the mode of transportation. But when you think about something that is actually built to cause harm, there's very little. Even the toughest gun laws, it seems to me, isn't tough enough because the focus is not on, uh, to me, holistically, or na it's not a national focus on actually understanding why. And, you know, I, and I get it, people hunt, I get it, people do it for sport. You know, if you're a hunter, you know, and you're, you're you know, obstacle, your, your thing is, you know, deer season is important mm -hmm. to you, um, you know, that's a whole different culture. And, and I get that, I totally get that, I'm not uh, trying to rain in your parade, but I do believe that the issue of violence across this nation, particularly gun violence, is something that we cannot wait on. It's something that we cannot uh, politicize over and wait uh, for presidential campaigns and spokes, you know, people uh, and lobby groups. Mm -hmm. It's something mm -hmm. that has to be just pushed. So this is a national emergency. We need to have a safer world. And if we can start with the fact that we need to have a safer world, for all, I believe that we'll be going in the right place. Off to sports. Start off with the latest disturbing news that is developing in Lakerland. According to the agent of DeMarcus Cousins, Jeff Schwartz of XL Sports, he told ESPN that DeMarcus Cousins has suffered a torn ACL in his left knee, putting his availability for the next season in jeopardy. There's no timeline for surgery. Cousins' visit to team physicians 
uh, today confirmed the diagnosis, which constitutes a third serious leg injury in the past year and a half. Uh, teammate Kyle Kuzma said, it's no joke when you get injured. After USA basketball practice at the Lakers facility, this is our livelihood and it's something that we love to do. My thoughts, uh, sad, my thoughts and prayers is with DeMarcus Cousins. I think he's a fantastic basketball player. Seems like a really great guy. Uh, huge fan of his. Um, you never want to see anybody injured. This is unfortunate. It is disheartening. I do believe the Lakers management has to take a now real look and say, what is the goal for 2020? If the goal is just to make the playoffs, they have the team in place to make the 8th, 7th, and if they really, really, if they really, really work hard and, and come together fifth, possibly top three. Uh, but LeBron's goal, or I'm sure his vision to come to L.A. was not to make the playoffs. He was already doing that. To me, that seems like it's a retroactive step. The front office has to make some decisions now. They have to go over the cap. They need to sign Iguodala. Uh, they need to get even some more veterans. I was uh, shocked that they didn't go after Derrick Rose. They need to They need to have somebody that's going to push them over the top when it comes to playoff time. This is not the time to rest on your laurels because the reality is Golden State is not out of the picture. You know, I, I think when everybody's watching the finals and they saw Clay Thompson go down and, and then uh, Kevin Durant get traded, it was like, oh, man, it's over. But the reality is it's not over. It just really started. Their team is still intact, the team that went 73-9, and and Clay is coming back. L.A. needs to put it into overdrive. They need to start signing now. Uh, they need to stop playing around. They just lost Tyrone Lue to the Clippers as an assistant, and I understand you signed Frank Vogel as your head coach. Frank Vogel's a good coach, but Tyrone Lue was a championship coach. But sure, if you wanted to go in the direction of Frank Vogel, but the time is now. It's not time to wait and to lollygag and to hope for a better tomorrow Lakers need to go after there and get it they just need to go get people they need to make trades, they need to make deals they need to make something happen, something blockbuster or else this season will become a wash because I, I, I just believe that you know, as great as LeBron is and I'm a huge fan, always will be I think he's the GOAT he is aging You know, father time is undefeated and it will show if it has not already and the team does not have enough pieces to just be the dominant team in the NBA. Uh, so if I'm the Lakers, after today's news, tomorrow morning you need a meeting, a strategy meeting on how do we get to the championship, and then you need to execute. All right, that's all we have. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you like it, just comment. Let me know. You can connect with me. Twitter at Cody's underscore life one, Cody's life one. On Instagram at CVMK33, YouTube CVK. Uh, also follow Robin Media Group. Uh, we have some interesting stuff coming out. Just a lot of great content coming out. Some things that are really going to be amazing and, and insightful and, and lit and just, just all around just awesome. Uh, I look forward to engaging with you. Let me know. Hey, you can also subscribe to here. You can be a, a monthly subscriber. Uh, through the Anchor app, you can go on Patreon.com and also become a monthly subscriber. They have three levels of membership. Uh, but I do want to hear from you. I do want to connect with you. I do want to know that you're out there. And, and I look forward to 
future engagements. Till next time. Thanks.